Hi, y'all. This is Kristen Chenoweth. Hi, I'm Gloria Stefan. This is Sarah Bareilles. Hi, I'm Patty Lapone. This is Lynn Manuel Miranda. You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered chumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Welcome to Stagecraft, Variety's theater podcast, bringing you backstage and behind the Broadway scenes with the stars, creators, and industry leaders keeping theater alive during the pandemic. I'm your host, Gordon Cox. On this episode of Stagecraft, I'm talking to Christine Toy Johnson and Leslie Ishii, two theater artists who are activists and leading voices in the Asian American theater community. With hate crimes against Asian Americans rising over the last year, the shootings in Atlanta in March have galvanized the movement to stop Asian hate, and Asian American theater makers are a part of it. Christine Toy Johnson is an actor who was in the first national tour of Come From Away when the pandemic hit, and she's also on the steering committee of the Asian American Performers Action Coalition, the group behind an eye-opening series of visibility reports. Leslie Ishii is the artistic director at Perseverance Theater in Juneau, Alaska, and she's also the board president of the Consortium of Asian American Theaters and Artists. They're both in the virtual studio with me to tell us about how they and their organizations have responded and contributed to the movement to stop Asian hate, and how they believe theater can play a role in moving forward. Hi, Christine and Leslie. Thanks for joining me. Thanks for having us. Yes, wonderful to be here. Thank you for inviting yeah. me. Before we talk about what's going on now, I wonder if we could start by having you both tell us a little bit about your backgrounds and the kinds of work you do, both as individual artists and as members of the organizations that you're involved in. Um, Christine, let's start with you. Uh, thank you. I'm I'm an actor, writer, director, and advocate for inclusion. I'm a co-founder of the Asian American Performers Action Coalition, otherwise known as APAC, and the newly elected treasurer of the Dramatists Guild. Yes, congratulations. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. Um, and when the pandemic hit, you were in the first national tour of Come From Away, right? Yes, I had been doing the the tour of Come From Away for 18 months before right. we were so rudely interrupted, right. and uh, plan on continuing back when we when we resume, hopefully uh, late fall this right. year. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and Leslie, tell us a little bit about uh, you and what you do. Oh, thank you, Gordon. And uh, I, I love that tour. I saw Christine in Los Angeles. Yay! <laughs> That's right. Yay. <laughs> um, shout out to you all. Um, hi, Leslie Ishi. I go by she, her pronouns, and I'm uh, calling in from uh, the unceded territories of the Occoquan peoples on Clinkett Ani, also colonially known as Juneau Douglas, Alaska. So I'm way up here in Alaska. <laughs> and I've, I've been in the artistic directorship here at Perseverance Theater. For almost two years now, it's flown by, and a good half of that, as you 
by the time we get to July, we'll be in COVID mode. Mm-hmm. So that, that's it's an interesting way to begin a new chapter at, at Perseverance. And then mm-hmm. I currently serve as the board president at the Consortium of Asian American Theaters and Artists. Mm-hmm. And just in both cases, um, really throughout my entire career, being Yonsei, Japanese American, fourth generation, I have been raised to be in community activism, community organizing. And so that's always, always embedded in anything I do. And then I'm on um, the core faculty, founding and core faculty of Art Equity. So along with Christine, I'm also an advocate for justice, equity, and inclusion uh, in everything I do, but certainly in the American theater field. Yeah, uh, you touched on something that was actually going to be one of my next questions, which is uh, what was there a spark moment for you when you realized that uh, activism for inclusion and representation was going to be a part of your work? It sounds like for you, Leslie, it's always been kind of a part of your understanding of your work. It's a really good question. Um, Sometimes people ask, how did you get started in theater? And mine's not usual, although I think it started out to seem usual. I I was a teenager and they were raising uh, funds for the Legal Defense Fund for Gordon Hirabashi. I was born and raised in Seattle. Hmm. And the Northwest Asian American Theater was producing a reading by Nikki Nojima Lewis, who had Hmm. been a young, young child and survivor of the U.S. concentration camps during World War II. And this was the first play. It was called Breaking the Silence. Hmm. And she wrote this play about the different generations, the first generation Issei, second Nisei, Sansei, who at that time that those folks had become lawyers and had grown up, some born in the camps and and uh, then grown up became uh, lawyers, and they were um, the lawyers for Gordon Hirabayashi, Fred Korematsu, and uh, Min Yasui, mm-hmm. and they 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 were resistors, they they resisted uh, going to the camps, and these uh, Supreme Court basically cases were coming back up, so we were raising funds and we did this reading. And, and I remember folks saying, do you think anybody will come? And some local activism was happening to support us. I said, well, my parents will come because it's my first time on stage. <laughs> <laughs> I thought my brothers, I have four brothers and my parents, you know, there'll, there'll be at least six people there. You know? right. And it turned out we were at the University of Washington, the big auditorium in their hub, which is their Husky Union building. Mm. And um, it, it was standing room only. And my dad came and said, there are people in the bathroom crying, in the men's room crying. And you don't usually see Japanese men of that generation show emotion like that. So that was a big deal. I watched my community start the healing process. What I learned later was their healing process from World War II, Mm. you know, that mass incarceration. And then two years later, I had the opportunity to stand in the courtrooms while they were fighting for redress and uh, reparations. Um, and, uh, I watched, basically I watched that pass. Mm -hmm. So I've grown up understanding how to, the power of telling stories, healing, but how testimony embedded in our stories actually helps to advocate for laws, for change, for social change. Right. Yeah. So that, that was, I think planted big seeds in me early on. Yeah. Wow. Thank you. Um, Christine, what about for you? Mine is more of a a showbiz story. (laughs) Um, I grew up in the suburbs of New York City and against all odds, I I have been making my living as a theater artist and uh, in this industry since I was, um, since really I was a teenager. Um, And so even though I didn't really have 
role models to watch um, on stage and in film and television, um, I somehow had the nerve to pursue it. And uh, I started off with a lot of the stereotypical roles that every, every young Asian American woman does. And then as um, I started uh, doing what we then called non-traditionally cast roles, I realized that I could have a voice um, by illuminating the positive experiences that happened with those roles, not only for myself and my fellow actors, but um, just as a, a member of the theatrical community. And so I started speaking up about those positive uh, experiences and um, found my my people uh, in advocacy. I was um, a part of the elected leadership of Actors' Equity for a very, very long time and chair of their Equal Employment Opportunity Committee for a very, very long time until just actually last year. Mm. Um, and I'm board member of Alliance for Inclusion in the Arts. And, and through these, um, these collaborations, um, just found how powerful it was to put our voices forward in in saying that not only is it about jobs and numbers, but it's about representation and the ramifications of underrepresentation, which is um, a lot of what we've been talking about in much uh, more dire ways recently, of course. Right. Yeah. Um, and I, I wonder if we could talk a little bit about what's going on now and what, when, and how you all thought about starting to mobilize in the community. Well, I think Leslie can really speak about about a organizing um, uh, activity that Kata has done, mm -hmm. but I think all of us have been in uh, have been involved in various community activities for years and years. And yeah. the beauty, the beauty of, uh, if we have to look for a silver lining at all, the beauty of the community uh, coming together is that we have been able to uplift each other and continue to try to find a road forward. And uh, Kata certainly uh, pulled together a lot of people quickly. Mm. And I'll let Leslie speak about that. Yeah, tell us about that. Oh, sure. Thank you, Christine. You've always been a great supporter. And uh, like you're saying, for many years, we've all been really working around representation and, and diverse casting, inclusive casting, uh, Media Action Network in LA, also uh, working really in tandem with APAC in New York so and across the country. So there's long been um, kind of coalition building and uh, concerted efforts, you know, uh, coordinated efforts. But recently, well, actually, I, I started, I came into the board presidency even after the more, uh, this past chapter in our federal government, you know, oh. past administration was there. And just watching the hate crimes ramp up with right. all the COVID rhetoric, you know, yep. and um, derogatory rhetoric, if you will. And so I started to think, oh, gosh, what can we do? So even then we were in the mode of making, amplifying that message. You know, I would just do it personally on my Facebook too, but talking with board members about what, what are we, what are we doing? What can we do? How do we lift up stories? And, or now we know when we're in activism, we can't just be full on activists and then try to limp away after having to put ourselves on the line. We know we have to actually get self care in there hmm. while we're, in activist mode or in what I call direct action. So um, we've been starting to address that anyway, especially in this uh, last administration. But then when the Atlanta shootings happened, it was like, no, we've got to get in there. 
we've got to really get an initiative going officially and more fully. So we called, I called um, HowlRound Theater Commons mm -hmm. right away. Yeah. We'd already been doing it, um, a uh, series with them because we had to postpone our conference festival, our right. ConFest. Because of the so pandemic, happened. yeah. Yeah, because of the yeah. pandemic. It happens right. every two years. And that was to yeah. happen in Hawaii. So yeah. we will still be in Hawaii, hopefully next year. Mm. Um, but, uh, and we address in that series, one, uh, each month we had, you know, an episode, we started to address uh, the hate that was happening, the violence. Uh, but then, so again, we were kind of revving towards that or addressing it. Then eventually we went back to Hal Brown. They said, absolutely, any episode you need. Mm -hmm. And then in the meantime, a couple people, Eric Ting um, and Jenny Coons uh, and a few others, uh, started a little uh, email thread. Should we do something? Once once the, uh, you know, the shootings occurred, we're like, oh, hell yeah. So um, that quickly grew into let's have a meeting. We planned an agenda. And by the time we met with, I think by the end of that week, we had basically hundreds of people of uh, Asian, Asian American, Pacific Islander, Middle Eastern, North African and Native Indigenous uh, identity with us. Mm -hmm. on that on that first zoom meeting it was so I, moving leslie to see the, the zoom screen populate with hundreds of of yeah. uh, friendly faces and also new new friends new colleagues mm -hmm. just to feel that solidarity because mm -hmm. i think that is uh, you know it's the loneliest scariest thing to to feel like you are facing this new this new kind of insidious racism mm -hmm. um, alone. And, and it, when you don't feel as alone, it's it's so uh, empowering and, and soothing. And I thank you for mm -hmm. that. Oh, sure. Well, and like you said, uh, the isolation, because we're in COVID, we're still all sort of sheltering in place for the most part. And so to venture out, and we're learning their incidents of our, some of our people when they try to go to work on a subway. Right. Not as quite maybe at the level of what we've seen on uh, in the news, but so there are programs starting up for how to um, uh, have a safe walk uh, and right. even some funding going on. So if you can't afford an Uber, we can make or a Lyft, we can make sure you can get there. And right. then we know in Oakland, they have started to come together in some of their communities to develop their own patrol because there's a lot of the black community and the Asian community. They can't trust that the police will unfortunately uh, brutalize them because of implicit bias. So they're starting to form their own watch groups. And, and in neighborhoods, since the uh, anti-Asian violence has escalated, that's been happening in many neighborhoods around the U.S. Um, and then Kata decided, how can we support? So the last meeting, we kept the meetings going. We've had a second meeting now. And we brought in folks who um, have family practices, family uh, therapy practices, you know, psychologists, um, uh, that that are definitely skilled around trauma-informed support. So we've created breakout rooms, hmm. other breakouts for solidarity building, still to work in concert with each other. Um, and I just intend with Kata to keep that support going, hmm. both both kinds of organizing and support. So hmm. we've talked with Hollaback. How do we support each other for bystander, upstander training? Right. And then the next episode on how around April 12th, Mm. We will actually have uh, Ginger Clee back with us mm. to talk about how to take care of yourself. You know, she's this, one of the psychologists that worked with us. Yes. Yeah. 
I also wanted to mention I'm I'm not a trained psychologist or anything, um, but uh, Queens Theater has asked me to help welcome in AAPI voices into an AAPI healing circle that we're going to do online um, for, on Tuesday evenings from April 13th through May 4th, mm -hmm. uh, 7 p.m. Eastern. There's information on their website, and really the idea is just to hold space for people, welcome them in, um, let people talk about what they want to talk about and um, just be there with each other in solidarity. I'll have more with Christine and Leslie right after the break. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. And now here's more with Christine Toy Johnson and Leslie Ishii. There's also a performance element to some. There was a video, a song performance that uh, sort of got together a lot of performers and uh, went out fairly recently. Tell us a little bit about how that came about. Well, the the video that um, that we Leslie and I were both in exactly. Oh yeah. yeah. So I wasn't part of the organizing of that, but mm. Leslie, could you speak more about sure. that? I just got an email saying, "Would you like to be a part of this?" I said, "Yes, of course." <laughs> yeah. I'm so glad you're in it. Yeah, we had beautiful representation. We had over fifty artists. Yeah. Uh, we had a, a, a some of our playwrights quickly scripted uh, something together and then everyone read through their section and then we knew the editors would come in and you might say a piece of that but over 50 artists participated Elena Chang who's a wonderful activist artist and happens to also be the equity diversity and inclusion director at uh, theater communications group she directed it um, uh, yeah it, it it just came together really quickly some of our staff uh, Ariel Estrada worked on it. Mm -hmm. it Olivia Guma uh, yes, edited okay. it. Yes, yeah, yes. and Brie. It's a great, great team. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they, for, they coordinated. Yeah, and for people who haven't seen it, um, where can you describe a little bit about what the content is? I know it was written and performed, but tell us a little bit about kind of how that, what the message was and why, why you felt this was the form to send it out uh, in. Yeah, I, I just to start, and Christine, you could, I'd love to know what you thought when you read your part of the script or the whole script. Um, the idea was that we wanted to, we felt so, the trauma was heavy with people and the grief mm. for those victims and their families and communities in Atlanta. But it also, I think, um, it triggers so much of the trauma all of us have felt. You know, uh, folks have asked me, uh, well, I was, I was accosted in a grocery store two weeks just before the Atlanta shootings and brought that to my board at Perseverance. And we said, oh my gosh, we have to protect people and you're a visible leader, you know, but, but I had to tell them, 
I've had weird things happen my entire life. This isn't like a one-off, you know, this right. is a history of oppression. And mm. we can go into that. That's another rabbit hole. But, mm. but basically uh, it was to say, we're strong. We have come together, as you mentioned, Christine, in solidarity, and we're actually stronger because we're together and we'll be moving this way as we go forward. So, yeah. Interestingly, I was on another panel where someone remarked, uh, and in a very supportive way, I, I might add, uh, he said, you know, the Asian American community has been silent up until now, and now they're speaking out. And I said, oh, no, no, no. We have been screaming into the wind for a very long time. And unfortunately, <laughs> tragically, it's taken well-publicized violence and murders to have people hear us. But the speaking of the trauma, and we don't talk about it that much, or we haven't before, the, the really the legacy of xenophobia that's been present in America for hundreds and hundreds of years yeah. um, is, is weighs heavily on, on all of us in different ways. And even if it, if you've been fortunate enough not to experience um, an act of violence or, or, or direct uh, kind of harassment uh, that people, some of our colleagues and friends have been experiencing and certainly, you know, the most extreme, the, the murders, um, the microaggressions add up over time and it becomes this sort of really heavy backpack of you know garbage that you're carrying around with you and trying to just continue navigating in a, 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 a not paying attention to it right, right. yeah i appreciate you mentioned screaming into the wind it's so true yeah yeah and even early in the pandemic there was a major case in the twin cities and i all of us were aware of that but like th there was a lot of screaming into the wind Right. When those cases, or even we go back to Vincent Chin, yes, you know, yes. Uh, decades ago, there was a lot of screaming into the wind. Um, yeah, we have to honor our those we've lost. Yeah, yeah. And one of the things, Christine, one of the things that uh, APEC does is they put out this mm -hmm. visibility report regularly. Right. And I wonder if you could. You've alluded to this already, but representation and underwrite. You can draw a direct line between underrepresentation and the things, the kind of things that are happening today. And I wonder if you could right. tell us a little bit about what those visibility reports are and what they show us in terms of how, uh, what the, what the interplay is between underrepresentation yes. and the, and the hate crimes that are happening now. Thank you so much. Thanks. Um, well, APAC started out in about 10 years ago, a group of eight or nine actors, uh, wondering if our suspicions that we were underrepresented in New York City are, New York City theaters was was a thing. And it turns out we all had similar experiences and we, we decided to look at numbers to see if uh, we could back up our theories. And so we it's, it's a very grassroots um, group of people. We're now 11. We have um, we have funding from the American Theater Wing. But for many years, we just, you know, got together and and started pulling statistics from Broadway and the uh, now the, the 18 largest nonprofit off-Broadway theaters. Um, and we began collecting numbers about, we always included other groups. So we we never were just collecting numbers for a, who, the Asian American actors that were being hired. Uh, 
but now we're also so we're we're uh, it's also the African American actors, Latinx, um, Manasa, uh, Native, Indigenous. Um, we're we're not collecting numbers for performers with disabilities, but um, we are we are um, factoring in to this uh, collection of stats also directors now board members of these nonprofits which is fascinating uh spoiler alert it's it's, it's pretty it's pretty skewed um and uh and playwrights um so uh we have a new visibility report coming out for the 2018-19 season um it's coming out in about two weeks um so I wanted to just read a couple of them for you because um, I will, and also, uh, as you mentioned, tell you the difference um, that the numbers now make in our understanding of the ramifications of the underrepresentation, especially of of story, our stories, not being told through our lenses, and what and how that has resulted often in the perpetuation of very harmful stereotypes and then direct line to our dehumanization and our erasure. So this is from the New Visibility Report. Uh, nonprofit, this is an interesting thing because we looked at the economic impact as well. Mm. We found that now based on uh, minimum minimum salaries being paid, nonprofit theaters in New York City spent 71 cents on actors from historically marginalized communities for every $1 spent on white actors during the 2018-2019 season. A lot of that comes from the fact that certain plays are done in smaller spaces that have smaller minimum salaries and a sort of redlining of these uh, plays uh, and then therefore the actors being hired. Uh, Asian American actors were cast in just 6.3% of all available roles in New York City theaters during the, that season and only accounted for 4.9% of all writers, composers, lyricists, and, and librettists produced during that season and only 4.5% of the directors. We also wanted to point out that you know, funding is a is a big issue, uh, and a lot of the theaters that have been doing all of this work um, with with diversity, equity, inclusion embedded in their DNA have been getting much less funding than the um, predominantly white institutions that ha may have programs and initiatives to do that work, and and that's. That's meaningful to point out. Uh, looking at the 18 major nonprofits in New York City, the predominantly white institutions received over $170 million in funding, while theaters centering historically marginalized communities received roughly 12.2 million, 170 million to 12.2 million. Um, so that's that's a that's a big difference, and uh, I think speaks to where the focus is going on uh on on the work and and the work and the road forward yeah yeah and what as you as theater is slowly starting to get back up and running you know very slowly after uh, as we sort of pull ourselves out of the pandemic what are your hopes for kind of what theater will and can look like uh coming up Wow, that's a good question. I think that's a really good question. <laughs> you know, for for Leslie and I, I, I will speak for you just for this tiny moment. Mm -hmm. I think for both of us who have been 
advocating for full inclusion in the theater for literally decades. Mm-hmm. Um, you, you, we always hope that uh, if, if things will look better. That's that's the best I I can hope for. Really, I mean, I think it's I think I've learned not to picture things in absolute ways, but uh, we we are farther along than we've ever been, but there's a, a very long distance to go. What do you think, Leslie? <laughs> Is Great. that fair? Thank you. Yes, I'm with you every word of that. Yeah. I, I've too, over the years, we've learned to manage our expectations because it just works so, it goes along so slowly. So slowly. Oh, but coming back, knowing people are coming, or folks and organizations are coming back slowly, even here at Perseverance Theater, mm. I'm not optimistic because mm. if it's a smaller season, does mm. that mean they have to choose fewer, there's fewer slots for shows? And will they choose us mm. if they only do two coming back or three or some of the most large, you know, even I think Oregon Shakes, who's got like 11 or 12 show a uh, season in rep i think i don't think they're coming back with as many because they have announced so uh they're, they're, no one's coming back full yet which means a truncated season who are you going to choose to put in those few slots you know so um i would hope they would look to let's say put an aapi show in there because given what's happening with us maybe the visibility and uh, show with the black community to lift those stories up. We need to learn so much about this and a native indigenous show. Um, anti-indigeneity uh, is still happening as well. They drop off the list because they, well, they they were meant to be, you know, the genocide was, was the intent. So um, how do we keep uh, um, working against those oppressive patterns? Yeah, I also do. I do have hope that these conversations, I, even though we have been having them for so long, they've been cracked open in new ways. And so I do hope, I do have hope that people are listening in a deeper way and understanding that there have been systems in place for all these years that have prevented seeing a lot of our stories through different lenses and and um, acknowledging that practice and and hopefully moving forward from that practice. Where I do have hope and, and want to encourage orgs or anyone who might listen, be an advocate. We're around equity, diversity, inclusion in the American theater field. We're working, you know, there's these org charts where you can see what stage you're at. The stage we ultimately want to be at is to be an anti-racist organization, to be um, an organization that is is led by social justice. So given what's happened throughout this pandemic, uh, anti-Asian violence and hate, uh, the uprisings, you know, around the black community and Black Lives Matters movement, we have to support that. We know that anti-indigeneity continues. Can you please lead with your social justice values and mm-hmm. keep that in mind as you season plan, as you keep your best practices going? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how can, uh, if listeners are interested in getting involved in the cause in some way, what how, how can they do that? Oh, good question. <laughs> uh, well, a couple of things, you can get training. Get anti-racism mm-hmm. training. Mm-hmm. Get Hollaback training. Be a good upstander, bystander. I'm working on my staff to get that uh, for each other. And while you're in your communities, it makes you highly aware mm-hmm. suddenly 
of how you could actually have good positive action steps to help take care of your community in these moments um, and, and get anti-racism training. Art Equity offers it. Um, and in, there's a number of consultants out there now that do this work. Mina Malik, um, the, uh, I think there's, it's called Equity Quotient. Uh, there's a number of folks in the field that you can get the training from. Great. I also think on a, on a, smaller if, if you're a smaller personal level if you um, don't have the the access to those programs right away i think that we can all ask ourselves if there are unconscious biases that we hold because we all do frankly and how we can fight against them and and be really open to the idea that we all have much to learn about one another and this is just my my high in the sky dream that that over time you know that that the arts have this unique um, opportunity and ability to influence how we perceive ourselves and each other, and that coupled with breaking out of those unconscious biases that eventually we might be able to see each other for who we are instead of who we're not. So that's that's uh, something that I really would love to see. Yeah. Yeah, well, I think that's a great place to end this. Thank you both. Thank you so much for uh, being here and talking with me about this. Thank you for holding the space for us. Yes, thank you, Gordon. Thank you so much to Christine, too. Wonderful to be with you both. That was the theater artists and activists, Christine Toy Johnson and Leslie Ishii. If you like what you're hearing on this and other episodes of Stagecraft, I'd really appreciate it if you took the time to rate and review us wherever you listen to podcasts. It really helps us grow our audience of folks who love theater as much as you and I do. Or tell a friend about Stagecraft. You can find past episodes or subscribe on all the pod places, including Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and on the Broadway Podcast Network, which is a great place to find more theater for your ears. I'll be back in two weeks with another new episode. Until then, find me on Twitter at GCoxVariety. Thanks for listening, and see you soon. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theatre Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theatre professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over at the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. BGW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.